Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Suppose they did that. Westlife done it. Westlife done it. Stop talking pish. Right, let's get on with this. <laughs> Episode 237 of 20 Minute Tims and I am joined by Melly. Oh yes. And Stephen. Hello. And here we go, lads. What what is it they say? What is it they say about what is that your new intro, Stephen? Yeah, that we that we cheated. Hello there. <laughs> needs work was, to be honest. It needs work. That's the last does, one. That's the last of that. Never do that again. It's a bit quaint. <laughs> anyway, do you know what? They say winds winds are like buses. You wait for a long time and then two come along at once. I worked hard on that analogy today. I worked hard on that I mean, intro. I couldn't think totally of anything different. Um but for the first time in what feels like months, boys, we have two wins to talk about on this podcast. It is in fact Eight flagship podcasts since we've had two wins to talk about. Eight. Eight. That, no, <laughs> wonder, no wonder people are raging. No wonder people are raging. That is why, Stephen. That, I'm surprised at that. I'm astonished that it's been eight episodes, as I say, way back in the old 220s. Halcyon days of the 220s, 20-minute Tim's. So innocent. So we were so young and innocent back then. So what's that? Eight weeks. Eight weeks since we've had two. Eight weeks well, of two games a week. The international break as well, so... We, was it two international breaks we had? So with the October one and the November one, oh so it's about my. ten weeks. Well, that is well. Look, there's Jeez. no point. Let's not moan about the past. Let's just talk but about we're here. Yes, yes, we're here. Let's just talk about the present. Uh, and speaking of presents, you can give yourself a present this Christmas by subscribing to our Patreon. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by our Patreon. We cover all Celtic matches. We've got pre-match, we've got post-match, we've got tactics and analysis. If you're interested in hearing more about Celtic's current predicament and situation, we talk about that on there as well. Head over to patreon.com slash 20 minute times. You will see everything that is available to offer and you can support this podcast and treat yourself and treat yourself. So I suppose after two wins... The big question is, Stephen, have Celtic turned the corner? Neil Lennon, Neil Lennon thinks so. He says it's baby steps, but Neil Lennon seems to think <laughs> a corner has been turned. Stephen? Neil Lennon thinks a lot of things, doesn't he? He, <laughs> he thinks a lot, a lot of, of things. Thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> they don't necessarily chime with what, what happens in my old mind brain, but the corner, maybe. The corner is there, but I feel like if Celtic are trying to turn the corner, really what's happening is, we're trying to find the corner. Neil Lennon and Peter Lawwell are sitting in the front seats, desperately trying to locate the corner on Google Maps. Mm. Me- meanwhile, we, 
the fans, the passengers are sitting in the back being blamed for everything that's going wrong. <laughs> Neil Lennon keeps <laughs> Neil Lennon keeps turning turning over his shoulder and saying, "I'm oh, going to shut up back there. I'm trying to fight. Going to turn that radio down. Oh, going to change the chat. That's just noise. I didn't get much of a good sleep last night. I'll find it soon. I feel like that's where we are with the corner. It's out there somewhere, right. but we haven't quite found it yet." Melly, Stephen's not buying into the fact that Celtic have turned the corner. I can understand, you know, maybe, what was that old George Bush saying? Fool me once, joke's on me, fool me twice. <laughs> the point is, you're not going to get fooled again. Uh, and, you know, I can understand why Celtic fans on this podcast as well, Melly, might feel a bit reluctant to buying into the fully corner being turned patter just quite yet. Where, where do you stand on it? Uh, I'm not quite at the corner being turned yet, but... It was progress. It's probably the first time in a... We spoke about eight eight flagship podcasts, but it's a long time since we had two good performances in a row mm. and two good wins. That If we even had that this season, I can't really remember. It'd be right back at the start of the season. So I suppose in that respect, yes, we have turned the corner in the fact that we've won two games and we're not losing or drawing games, but we still need to see more consistency from Celtic. It's There's still a long way to go and there's a lot of easy games coming up, so we should be able to do it. But it is a step in the right direction, but doesn't really change my mind on a lot of things anyway. No, I mean, winning games encourages more winning of games and this, this confidence issue that the Neil Lennon and a lot of the players have spoken about, Shane Duffy's spoken about it, Cal McGregor's spoken about it. You know, the wins should and good performances should hopefully help them snap out of that malaise yeah. and, and, and progress with things. But I think, you know, between now and the Rangers game in January, it's a very, very, very tense period and we just simply cannot yeah. afford to drop any more points, have any more bad performances or even even lose that game really or else it's games a bogey no. if, if all things be do you know why do you know why just this time last week we sat here and done a podcast and do you know what I'm just thinking all credit to the board them coming out and saying look we back Neil Lennon has just made us relax this week and made the players relax <laughs> and we've got two victories yeah. so it's all it, down it, to the board well do you know what we did discuss that last week and it might not be that the players have relaxed after being told you know emphatically that the manager's not going anywhere but it might be any players that thought right well I don't have to buck up my ideas because soon he'll be gone and then when a new manager comes in that's when I yeah. can pick my performance up maybe one or two players have thought you know oh, well if he's not going anywhere I might as well get my arse in gear um, <laughs> and if we to give the board any credit at all for anything else it is watch. for rescuing last week's podcast mm. <laughs> because we prior to that uh, statement being dropped in mid-record we were struggling for things for new angles to come up with on this current situation so yeah. thanks for doing that and not doing it on Tuesday morning like everything else normally happens so you're saying thanks to the Celtic board for finding new and interesting ways to piss everybody <laughs> off because it keeps them <laughs> this podcast on a final thing on the corner being turned perspective needed perspective delivered those two wins take us to 4 and 14 so let's not get carried away too much it's that's a 100% record of the last week th but well that's only because you it, started counting 14 games ago but see if you only started counting two games ago that's 100% Two out of two. I started measuring two from Arsenal. Is that what you're Yeah, you started measuring from. Yeah, I just got that there. Yeah. All right. um. <laughs> well, if we keep this up, it could be seven and twenty, guys. Let's let's keep our fingers crossed for that that run. Looking at, uh, listen, I would I would absolutely take that. Um, prior to the Lille game, Neil Lennon said that that would be an opportunity to utilise some of the squad. You know, that was a game that meant nothing in terms of the competition, and he was true to his word. They rung the changes, and a team selection before it that you thought. 
you know, when it, when it first came out, all you thought that was good for was giving a few guys a run out, a bit of cannon fodder maybe, you know, up front of a Lille side who were flying high domestically. But it kind of didn't work out that way, did it? Because there was a few players there that have given the manager a selection headache, Melly. Yeah, they have. And as we know, Neil Lennon is a very loyal guy. He's players to Celtic's detriment More on season. that to come. More on that. <laughs> Uh, but it was going to take something special from the guys starting on Thursday night to really make themselves undroppable, and two of them done it. The sorrow and tumble were absolutely tremendous. It was going to be a tough game for Celtic, I felt, with that amount of changes, how we've been playing, but to go out there, perform like that, and get a win, it was some good stuff, and we just seen what a difference having midfielders that can run makes, so there was a lot of positives to take from the game. I know, Stephen, before the game, as I sort of alluded to in my little preamble there, it was like Neil Lennon was teeing this up as if, oh, we'll give these guys a run out, we'll do them a wee favour. I'm not really expecting much. There's nothing to play for, yeah. but, you know, it'll be a good, you know, it was almost like novelty value seeing a couple of the names out there. But I think us as fans knew, or we were excited about seeing, especially Soro, but especially Turnbull, because he's kind of been on the lips of Celtic fans for a wee while. There's been a lot of curiosity building about why he can't get into this team. Yeah, and further to that, further to it being a novelty game, it actually had the feeling that things were so tense prior to this game. A lot has changed since then. Things were so tense that it almost felt like they were using the squad as an excuse. It was going to be like, right, this is another defeat coming, mm-hmm. but this one doesn't really count because we've used the squad. That It had that kind of feeling going into it, right? Well, we, you can't blame us for this one because we've used, we've used these Diddy players. This game is a prime example of why we on the podcast always talk about how there's no such thing as a meaningless game. There's no such thing as a dead rubber. Yes, we couldn't do anything in the group from it. Getting three points was ultimately meaningless. But what comes well, with well, that game is... We didn't we didn't have a worst what? ever Europa League campaign. So well, you can take <laughs> that positive, Stephen. Well, yeah. Co- correct, yes. We, we failed to break that record. Failed to make that history of being the worst ever team. But um, obviously we couldn't do anything in the group going in, but look what has changed since that game. Going into it, meaningless, but in hindsight, far from it because everything, not everything has changed because Celtic are still in the the midst of a very sticky patch, I think we can all agree. But Mm. now everyone has gone from being relentlessly negative and basically ready to write off the season to demanding that these two players in particular are in the team going forward because they can see the positivity that that could potentially bring. So it's changed an awful lot, turning up and getting a a positive performance and result in what was billed as a meaningless game. So that's why we're not just being contrarian, perish the thought, that when we say there's no such thing as a meaningless game, it's, it's actually true. When it comes to Celtic, there are always things that can be learned from it. Especially not, as you said, in, in the position that Neil Lennon found himself in. You know, yeah. meaningless games are an act of charity on behalf of the fans a lot of the time. You know, we mm. it's us as fans that sort of decide if a game is really meaningless. Because if Celtic had went out there and got pumped 5 or 6 nil, there would be no meaningless games. There's no meaningless games when, no, you're, of course, when, yeah. when, when, you're a, when your coat is on a sugarly peg, as it should be with Neil Lennon. His, his, yeah. his coat probably shouldn't even be on the peg. but you know, <laughs> no, no. You know what I mean? What about Patrick Lamala though? You know, David Turnbull, and we'll talk about him a bit more when we get to the Kamarnock game, and I want to talk a bit more about Sorrow, but Patrick Lamala, I think, acquitted himself quite well. It's the thing we've always said about Kamala though, Stephen, isn't it? He sort of, he lacks overall quality, but what he lacks in quality, he tries to make up with effort. Yeah, yeah, we've always given him credit for the work rate he puts in. We've talked maybe a little bit excessively about how 
he'd worked really hard over lockdown and all that and put on a little bit of muscle and looked as if he'd been training really hard. We maybe talked a wee bit too much about that in hindsight. But that said, it, it does deserve credit for it because the same can't be said about a certain rival of his at the same time. Yes. So, you know, any, take any positives from that. Klamala, I think, is, you know, I was on the reaction podcast, the match reaction that we do after every game. I was on with Melly and I made the comparison that sounds really insulting, but I didn't mean it as an insult. I actually meant it as something of a very loose compliment. I actually compared them to Kenny Miller. Now, obviously, the jokes about Kenny Miller are lengthy and numerous of this podcast. We don't, we don't like him, but he was a useful player. In his, in his peak, in his kind of late 20s, uh, international level, he was actually a pretty useful player because what he did was he gave defenders something to think about. He stretched defences and he was a bit of a handful purely in terms of just endless running. I yeah. don't know if Klamala has got the quality to be any more than that, but that can be a tool to, to be used at times. You know, I don't think he's ever going to have the quality to drag, to take Celtic to the next level in Europe like an Odds and Edward potentially could. But you know, I can't really criticise him for his performance against Leo because I thought he was quite useful. I think we need to be careful, Melly, when we're judging these strikers because a lot of the time, strikers rely on service. You know, they rely on the service that they're getting. And I think, especially against Leo, the inclusion of David Turnbull in the sort of front three with Elianusi Soro behind them, they really... They brought a lot of dynamism to the midfield. David Turnbull really enlivened that attack. Some of his some of his delivery just from set pieces, for example, was absolutely brilliant. In fact, you know, his corner led to the led to the first goal. Yeah, he was tremendous. And every time he got the ball on the turn, I just felt like something could happen. It was a game where I, I wasn't really looking forward to it, but once I seen the lineup, I was like, right, I'll take notice here. And then when I seen the midfield straight from the off. It just looked so much better. Celtic were moving quickly. They were pressing quickly. And I just felt, well, there's a bit of dynamism here, something we've really, really lacked this season. And then when the ball gets to Turnbull, he's always looking to do something. If it's the set pieces alone, he's worth having in the team for that. Because I mean, that delivery for Julian, that delivery for the corner for Julian was almost perfect. Oh, unbelievable. Right on the money, Julian. So, so similar, he's winner against Lazio down the other side hmm. and from the other corner. But a lovely header. And you just love to see somebody put it into a dangerous area he's maybe not aiming for Julian there but he's putting it into an area where players can go and attack and that's all we ask because I hate seeing it hit off the first man like we've done so so often this season and Celtic going into Europe with guys like Clamala with guys like Clamala up front and a change team we need to take advantage of every fine margin we can and making set pieces work for us in defence and attack is one of those and we done it on Thursday night so it was good to see but Turnbull he had a hand in everything everything good Celtic done went through Turnbull and you sort of look at Turnbull and go mm, is he going to do it we've seen him do it a half against Hibs but this was a, a much bigger step up so there was no worry going into the Kilmarnock game playing him sorrow because they've done it against a very very good team probably one of the best teams Celtic will go up against this season Yes, David, yeah. Leo had some quality players in there, didn't they, in that midfield? It wasn't as if Klamala, sorry, Turnbull and Soro had the run of a midfield full of diddies. Leo had some quality in there. Absolutely. I, I was really impressed with Sumari, who played, I think he's been linked with some of the, the kind of big hitters of Europe. He's been linked with both Milan clubs and Arsenal, all the usual suspects. So he's obviously no mug. I thought he was a tremendous player. With uh, Leo's quality, I think they've just gone top of league eh, as, as of the weekend, haven't they? Um, mm. And they... Let's give Celtic full credit for this. They needed, well, not maybe not needed, but they at least would have wanted to win that game to top the group. So yeah. it's not 
Again, another thing that made that game not meaningless was never meaningless for Lille because they could have actually have achieved something from it, but they weren't allowed to by Celtic. So uh, another piece of credit there for them. On Turnbull's corners, not all corners are going to be perfect. That's that's impossible. But if you at least make them dangerous, if you at least yeah. make the defence think yeah. about it, if you make the keeper worry about a corner coming in, then that is a step in the right direction because for too long, I mean, we've been groaning about it for, for months, probably even seasons, about how we'd be as well like getting a corner and just putting it back to our own half and starting again when it comes to a corner. <laughs> yeah, so, it's dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, so it's definitely a step in the, the right direction. The, his delivery is uh, markedly better than Ryan Christie's so far. Ismail Soro is, for me, the player you want in that Scott Brown position, isn't he? Yeah. He's He has the attributes that, that maybe Scott Brown had a couple of seasons ago, the attributes that you want from a guy that's going to do the defensive work. He's very, very tigerish. He chases down lost causes. He'll pick up the ball on the left-hand side, on the right-hand side. But then when, as soon as he's got it, he's always looking to spring an attack. He's 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 a defensive player, but he's very dynamic as well, isn't he, Melly? Yeah, I really like him. I wasn't sure if he'd ever make it because you always ask yourself the question, why, why is he not playing? He mustn't be doing something in training. But uh, I think the reason is we've got Neil Lennon as manager. But everything he'd done in that game was tremendous. Blocking shots, breaking up play, harrying, hassling, and just doing everything that... Scott Brown used to be able to do, but simply can't just because he's because of his age. And the way Celtic play and the way European football is now, if you're going to play 4-2-3-1 like Celtic, you have to have two very mobile and energetic midfielders holding there. And we've got that McGregor and Sorrow. How much better did Cal McGregor look? I know he made a exactly. mistake for their equaliser, but you're looking at that. Cal McGregor's not trying to put out fires everywhere. He's not trying to do MD else's job. That team was able to, everybody was able to go into that game and do their own job and not worry about everybody else. It seemed to be Neil Lennon done your, your old saying. He, I don't know if I want to say it because I'm loathe to give him credit right now, but he built a team out of bric-a-brac and <laughs> it looks like it's working for him right now. So the midfield has to stay like that as long as these three guys are fit because that's two games they look tremendous and Sorrow, what a difference that energy has made to the team. Yeah, I think Solo Stephen sort of acted as a catalyst for Callum McGregor as well because it does free up Callum McGregor of the shackles of trying yeah, to protect yeah. Brown a wee bit. He doesn't have to do quite so much running for Scott Brown. It's something that we picked on up on uh, seems like ages ago now, but Callum McGregor trying to put out fires all over the pitch, last ditch tackles in the box, all this sort of carry on. It sort of frees up Callum McGregor from a bit of that, doesn't he? So that's the another added effect of having Sorrow in there. Yeah, and there's also the added aspect that we're no longer, well, it's a small sample size granted, right? I don't, I don't want to say that it never happens anymore, but we didn't in that game look quite as vulnerable on the counter-attack yeah. with the mm. two passes that we often see. Two passes and Celtic are wide open and then all of a sudden everyone's sprinting towards their own box. They're pulling people down on the edge of the box or they're doing what Ryan Christie did against AC Milan or they're doing what Scott Brown often does and getting into the box and falling over the back of somebody. None of that happened because the, the midfield had so much more dynamism and agility and, you know, dare I say it, legs about them yeah. to be able to recover these things. Even if you give the ball away, it's not as much blind panic as it, it can be with Celtic's midfield as we've been seeing for ages. Soro is just another one what I've been talking about tonight where it, everything's different now. Everything's different just off the back of this one so-called meaningless game because prior to that game, yes, we all wanted to see him, but 
if he'd left in January, would them they be bothered? That is, he could have gone down the route of being like another Kwasi or dare I say it, another Scott Allen or something like that, where he well, leaves and nobody really cares and we've never really seen the best of him. Whereas he's gone with one game from that to an absolute must pick to the point where people are cracking up at the idea that he might not play in the well, cup final. So everything's changed for him. I would temper that though, Stephen. I don't know if, you know, I, I don't know if necessarily one sorrow makes a summer. In, in regard with no. in, 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 in regard with his performances, just because he came in, played well against Leon, he played well against Kilmarnock as well. I don't think that automatically makes him. Yeah, a first pick. It might prove to be that. No, it might prove right. to be the, the, an undroppable piece of that central midfield puzzle. It's it's encouraging. We do this all the time, though. You're right. You're right yeah, because so, uh, I mean, probably three weeks ago we were saying this about Tom Nogic. You know, he comes in and plays well for two games, and we're like, right, everything's better now. Everything's great. Well, the sun's never going to go down. We're all never going to grow old. Tom Nogic is back, and everything's positive again. And then all of a sudden, he falls off a cliff. So, yes, you, you are right to sort of put the pull the reins on that a little bit because not having it, uh, lads. Not know, having it. Well, <laughs> let it go. There's a long this, way to go. Yeah. No. This this one I'm having this one. Sorrow is the man. Oh, you can that have is it. Two perfor- that is two performances we have not seen in a row from Scott Brown this season in what twenty odd games. So if you're going to say, look, Sorrow's maybe get some, he's got improvement to do definitely, but he showed more in two games than Scott Brown has all season. So he deserves to I keep get, his yeah. place. Well, what I will say is if he does go on and Neil Lennon, he becomes an undroppable piece of Neil Lennon's Celtic team. And if that it does become the case, then that's another reason you have to maybe turn to Neil Lennon and go, this guy's been with us since January. Yeah. And why did, why is he playing? Why did it, why is he playing by accident almost? What we want from an undroppable player in Neil Lennon's eyes is undroppable because he's performing well, not undroppable in the Scott, Scott Brown sort of role where he's in because... He's Scott Brown. What we want is loyalty. a guy like Sorrow. Yeah. yeah, loyalty. What we want is Scott uh, Sorrow coming in, performing well, so the manager simply can't drop him because he's doing so well. This was the fourth game in the group that Celtic took the lead, and we were talking about Callum McGregor and the shackles being off, but he made a, a horrible error. He didn't. He made that horrible error with the, with the back pass that let Leo through, and they, they managed to equalise. What I will say is, what I liked about that was, and it's something Callum McGregor said in his pre-match press conference during the week, he says when the goal goes in, he goes, you get this feeling over your over yourself, like, oh no, not again, here we go. And I think I think a lot of the Celtic team's problems this season have been mentally. They have been mentally mentally weak. And this stuff that they're talking about that's recurring all the time, whenever anyone from Celtic's mentioning it, talking about the fans not being in the stadium really affecting them. Uh, I mean, just to sidetrack a wee bit, they said that again at the AGM. Gonna cut that out. Yep. Just, Stop talking about it. Stop willing it into existence. Stop providing the players with this excuse because it's not a real thing and no other team seems to be affected by it. But back to Callum McGregor, he sort of said, you know, when the goals go in, you think, God, is this it? Is it going to happen all over again? There wasn't really any of that. He made a really bad error, but we got a penalty a couple of minutes later. He's first to take it and he, he sticks it in the back of the net. Mentally, they seem like they're getting a wee bit stronger as well, Stephen. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Callum McGregor, you know, to his credit, stood up and took that penalty, smashed it away. You don't save those, but the, the mistake itself was obviously a, a pretty bad one. You, you don't tend to get away with those in Europe. If you, no. if you know what I mean, they, those are ruthlessly capitalised on at that level. So you you don't really be wanting giving those away. I think he was just shocked, just um, completely unaware that it was a player behind him, and you know he just appeared out of nowhere, and all of a sudden, you know couple of touches and the ball's in the back of the net. You, you simply can't do that at that level. It's biggest cliche going, but it's been, you know, it's a cliche for fairly a reason. brutal. 
has been fairly brutally demonstrated to Celtic there and then. So, you know, fair play. That gives each is a cracking player as well, you know, to give to talk Leal up in terms of their talent. Yazici, um, the Turkish guy, they had it seemed like a sort of number 10, but he was drifting wide as, as well. Absolutely brilliant player. But and f- fair play to McGregor for, for stepping up to take a penalty because he knew he, he knew he probably had to make up for that. It's another goal. It's an individual error and it's sort of goes down the right-hand side, but it's not been the usual one we've conceded down the right-hand side. And I hate to say it again, but Neil Lennon's he's doing it with this eye at right-back, Frimpong at right-wing. It seems to be kind of working. I don't think it, it's going to work long-term, but I at right-back with Duffy and Julian. It's fairly solid. They don't work as a back three, but in a back four, it seems to be working now. Yeah, I mean, the Civ is definitely back with Avengers. We've spoken about the defence so, so many times. And this was a game, you know, if there was a downside to this game, and you don't want to be too negative about it, it was the conceding the two goals, which took us to 19 for the tournament, which was a tie for the worst ever record um, <laughs> in, in the Europa League. But I, I do quite like this. I'm growing to quite like this eye on the right-hand side thing. It's so. He's actually, I was going to say, it's somewhat reminiscent of what we used to do with Lustig, Right. But actually, Ayer's not bad at going forward. Mm-hmm. See some of his no. he, his stepovers are quite clumsy and he's yeah. quite tall and ungainly looking, right? But it works. It works. And I think what also works for him and Stephen is that stride, that unorthodox massive stride that he seems to get up the whole entire pitch in like four gallops. It, it sort of yeah, works. It's working at the moment, isn't it? His stepovers aren't that subtle. They're not like old Ronaldo. It's more like Ayer looks like he's trying to mount a medium-sized dog rather than actually <laughs> step over a ball. So, yeah, it, it was effective, though. He has got those those rangy legs that get him up the pitch, but he, he has been good going forward. There's, there's no doubt about it. He's I, I would never have asked for him to play it right back because we've seen it before and it's had varying degrees of success. I never thought in a million years I would be calling for Ayer at right back, but in fairness, it, it seems, as Melly said, it seems to be working for now. <laughs> as opposed to what I'm saying is it's working until it isn't anymore and we yes. need to find some other formation. But, you know, he's, he's been good in the last couple of games. And Ayer's another one. Where I suppose Lennon can probably count himself quite lucky that Ayer is stepping up and performing in the last few games as well because the easiest thing in the world for Ayer would have been to just prove Lennon right and, you know, be one of those guys who, quote, doesn't want to be here and just downed tools like a few others <laughs> look to have done. But he's actually seemed he seems to be growing into the season as things go on. I think we probably know that he is a guy who's got his eye on the next move, but you wouldn't know it by watching him play. Whereas a few others look as if they're, they're kind of they've got one foot out the door. Ayer's been stepping up to it again. The resilience was key in this game because Celtic conceded a second goal again, set piece. Yeah. Th- that is what Neil Lennon's been talking about all season: individual error, set piece. Admittedly, this was the second phase, but I don't want to be too critical though because that team away that was a great finish. That that was that was a difficult yeah. thing to do through bodies. It was a, it was a great finish and also cl- touch of class. Touch of, there was no fans in the stadium to disrespect, <laughs> but it was a touch of class of Celtic icon, <laughs> Celtic icon Timo Weir. Oh no, not not Larson scores against us at Celtic, but no, this it's always devastating when a true club legend comes back to haunt you. Berget, Sh- Bratback, Weir, uh, shown and his Larson. respect. Showing his respect for the manager who basically binned him and sent him home because he he, <laughs> he wanted to train with the US national team and not play in the League Cup. Yeah, it was, a, it was like Timothy Weir scored just before he went off. I thought he's going to get subbed because he's done absolutely nothing and then he pops up and scores. But as you say, it was two individual errors for the goal, for the Leo's goals. But I got I got the feeling that these were a bit different. 
in the past games in Europe I've always felt look it's last ditch it's making mistakes because you don't know what you're doing because you're all over the place we've seen it we've spoken about it so many times but Cal McGregor's one was just a a poor pass that well he didn't catch the pass properly and that's why the guy got through it. and this one for the second goal it's Mo Elianusi just switches off it's only one guy we clear the ball and Elianusi is ball watching instead of having a look around and knowing where Wea is and that's the only reason they score I can't really put it down to structure or tactics or anything like that I think these are individual errors and uh, although they are errors that's encouraging because we cut out the rest of the nonsense in the in the game there was only a couple of times where Lille threatened and Lille are a very good team so it's improvement in that side the only thing I would say if I wanted to be nitpicky was that when the cross came in both Julian and Duffy both went for the same ball when mm. you think that, that maybe that's one of them's just to claim it they both kind of went for the same ball Julian ended up over the top of sorry Duffy ended up over the, the top of Julian um, but Celtic managed to get the winning goal Christopher Iyer, as we touched on, down the right-hand side, dropped the shoulder, a couple of step-overs, very silky stuff, cuts the... Uh, and another thing that Christopher Iyer does well here is it's a very intelligent ball into the box. You yeah. know, it's not it's not aimless. He doesn't do the, the frimpong onto his left foot and try and shoot. And there's uh, David Turnbull making a late run into the box, unmarked with a sublime finish, Stephen. The Lampard just arriving late and sweeping it in first time. Yeah, yes. it was like he still had, the the ball was good. The ball was good for Meyer, but he still had a lot of work to do. It wasn't like a it was a, just a tap across the line and he knocked it in. It, it was a great finish to you know, the ball probably slightly slightly behind him from memory, but it, it did well to just sweep it right across the keeper into the bottom corner. It's something I can see Turnbull doing a lot for Celtic. We admittedly once again it's a small sample size we're working with, but from what we can gain. What we can glean from Turnbull's performances so far is that he likes a shot and not in a pointless, previously discussed Ryan Christie way. He oh, picks his moments. Maybe, yeah, but he seems to pick his moments a little bit better and at least get something on target. He likes a shot, looks to have an eye for a pass and his set pieces are significantly better than what we've seen. So all positive signs for me. It was a, a complete midfield from performance from Turnbull. He was just involved in everything good Celtic done. It was his delivery for the first goal. He puts the ball through for Fimprong to win the penalty, and he gets the, the goal. And it's been a long time since... Uh, to each I was really well on him on to score because his performance deserved that it was an absolutely class performance from the guy and you just think to yourself why has he not been playing? But that's down to Neil Lennon and Neil Lennon's got a lot of questions to answer for this European campaign it's been a disaster from the Ferenc Varos game right through to the end of this group to just get a win in the last game which we were already out of it is absolutely pathetic for Celtic. We were going up against Ronnie Dylers last season for the worst performance we've ever had in a Europa League campaign. Mm. Celtic are a team that have to be competing in Europe for the fans, for the club and for the players there. We can't be seen to be finishing bottom of a Europa League group, barely getting even one win. It was unbelievable how bad we performed. Every single game we played in, we conceded at least two goals and you're not going to go anywhere in Europe for that. So, uh, Neil Lennon's point of view, he's got a lot to answer for. I don't think he'll be here next season and he shouldn't be simply for the Europa League performance, never mind the league. Yes, yeah, Stephen, I mean, being a European team is part of Celtic's identity, it's part of Celtic's business model, it's the level of competition. You know, the Europa League is very much seen as second rate to us. We we should we yeah. should have by rights been in the Champions League this season. We went into that Europe we right. went into the Europa League and we looked Top at that seeds. group. 
top seeds. Yeah, I was just about to say, we went into the Europa League, we looked at that group, we thought, you know, we should be able to get something here. We should be able to progress. I mean, look at the Huns. They progressed out of their group and they're playing Royal Antwerp or something, some team that... We, yeah, they're we seventh should be, in the Belgian league just now. Antwerp, you know yeah, what I mean. So, so we, we should have been be, there. No. Yeah, we we should we could have been there and we should have been there. And overall, Europe's just been a disaster since since early doors to the out of it. The whole thing's just been a bit of a a damp squid. <laughs> yes, it has. It's been exactly a damp squid. I can't, I can't wait for the tweets we're going to get over that every <laughs> oh. time. Every time. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, joking aside, Melly's absolutely right. This shouldn't be forgotten about. See, when we're putting this season into context and turning the corner and all that, right, fair enough. If you turn the corner away from that disaster, right, okay. But it should not be forgotten about how embarrassing that European campaign was. That, that was atrocious. And that's a big part of why you know, not to drag us back down this road again, but we're, we're all being branded hysterical and everything's been blown out of proportion. Look at the European campaign. That's completely unacceptable. You're not pulling any of the it's all about the 10 will over my eyes because but that's not been very successful either for a start. But no, we, we can't afford as a club to be treating seasons like that where, nah, forget nah. Europe this season because I feel like the full ramifications or the full consequences of having a European campaign haven't been felt yet because... What if we're trying to attract players next season who want to be playing in Europe and look at look at the performances we're turning in? We're not making we're not making it a very appealing place to come. We're, we're trying to sell this dream of coming, you know, develop your skills and become a European experienced player before moving to a bigger league. That's the dream we try and sell these players. But why would they sign up to go and play in that fiasco that we've just turned in? So it shouldn't be forgotten about this season. No, absolutely not. And it's another thing that the board didn't need to take note of. You know, the board... Yeah. There's, there was protests, you know, fan protests arranged before the Kilmarnock game and the message was back the team, sack the board. And if, you know, that's the sort of thing we're talking about when we're talking, when we're turning our attention to the board. You keep talking about Celtic wanting to compete. You, you tell us this great story every year at the AGM about how Celtic, you know, need, we, we're a, we need to be a Champions League team. We see us, ourselves as a Champions League team. But our European right. record over the last 10 years has been abysmal. Consider we've more or less had a free run at it. And some of the teams we've went out to and some of the teams have dropped points in these competitions is absolutely abysmal. Now, Europe, Neil Lennon will probably turn around and go, you know, Europe is a symptom of how badly the squad are getting on all in because look how well we did last season. And you think to yourself, well, okay, fair enough. But last season we still had closure, we still had Copenhagen. So yeah. it's mm. on a European front, it's nowhere near good enough. And I think, and I really hate saying this, but I think what Rangers have proven is a thing that we've been talking about on this podcast since we've started doing the podcast. If you build a team strong enough and good enough to compete against good teams in Europe, the league kind of takes care of itself. Yeah. There's not yeah, like there's yeah. there's not so much two tiers as if you if you train and build a team strong enough to beat the best opponents you're going to come up against, these domestic teams really should take care of themselves. But for some reason Celtic have managed to create a team that can blow away domestically, but they still not cross that barrier in Europe. And it's it is a it is a massive failure. It's something that the board really need to take note of. And it's a, definitely a black mark against Neil Lennon this season for sure. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. That protest before the, the Kamarnock game with the message, back the team, sack the board, I saw the video from it and I was, I really did like that they really strongly backed the team. The, the yeah. welcome the team got into the stadium was absolutely brilliant. And, oh, just a note, did you think the fake crowd sounded different? And uh, the they were well game. up for it by the end. They were absolutely buzzing when they came it on the game. A, the fake crowd was absolutely rocking. They must have changed it. They've changed it from the Leo game to the Kamarnock game. They've, they've absolutely changed it. Um, Tumble and Sorrow kept their places against Kamarnock and Celtic's new look. Midfield Hazard kept his place as well, but a few familiar faces returned. Um, the only thing I will say about the Kamarnock game, though, is I, I was very up for it. I was very excited about seeing Celtic's new look team because this could effectively be a new look team. First half, though, Stephen, it was kind of more of the same that we'd seen in recent weeks, and it did get the shitters up me a little bit, I thought. <laughs> yeah. Because at that point, I thought, if it's going to be like this for 90 minutes, and it's going to be another one of these, it, you, there is no way Neil Lennon can keep his job, because he, he's literally tried everything. Yeah, the, the first half, not without reason, was a bit of a concern. I could already feel people getting a little bit antsy about the first half performance, and in fairness, can't really criticise anyone for that because it's only going on what we've been seeing this season. It's a pattern that has emerged over more than 20 games now about how, you know, I hesitate to use the word, but turgid Celtic can be this season and it looked a little bit more of the same. They didn't look like conceding, it didn't look like it was going to be a problem, but for a while in the first half it looked like it was going to be just another one of those games where they just, they've not quite got the creative spark to open up a defence again. But in fairness, the, I thought the second half was completely different. Yeah, the second half was much better. I think what we've said a lot of the time this season is with Celtic, they get in at half time and there's no reaction. No reaction. The second half's just more of the same, more passive, and it just the game just peters out. But Celtic really went into this second half with something to prove. As soon as we came out in the second half, Celtic stretched the game wider, the tempo was up and something that was I noticed during the game and I had a look on Scout, Celtic's pressing intensity went up quite a bit so in the second half mm. we were 
playing a lot faster, but pressing Kilmarnock and putting them under pressure. And the thing that pleased me about this game so much was all those things, but at the same time, Celtic looked solid. They looked solid. Kilmarnock, looking at Weisskut again, only had a XG of 0.5. Now, that was the, I think that was the chance from the corner, which Hazard gathered pretty easily. But apart from that, Celtic weren't cut open. There was no times where you were heart and mouth and defending was shocking. Guys like Shane Duffy got through the match and we're only talking about him at the front end of the park and not at the back making mm. mistakes. He got through the game mm, yeah. solid at the back. Same with Duffy and Ayer. Hazard barely didn't to do. So that was pleasing. To keep a clean sheet, it was St Johnston was the game before the international break, before the Rangers game was the last time he kept a clean sheet in the league. So it was pleasing to get that finally. Did you see Shane Duffy's interview after the game? Uh, no, I, I saw Isles slightly patronising interview where he gave away his man of the match to, to Shane Duffy. But I saw that, but I didn't see Duffy himself, no. Well, I, I thought it was very eye-opening, Shane. I didn't know Isles did that, by the way. I missed that. Um, and yeah, again, I, you say it was slightly patronising, but I think that gives you... I think a lot of the time when players and managers come out and say, Shane, for example, let's take Shane Duffy for an example, right? He comes out and the manager says... Mentally, he's not there. His confidence is rock bottom. He's maybe trying a bit too hard. I think a lot of the time as fans, we write that off and go, poppycock, absolute rubbish. Right, but then you can... Yeah, but you can see that maybe a wee bit. Well, Ayer, you know, everyone's kind of in it together. Shane Duffy came out after the game and gave an interview. I don't know if it was a general interview or it was just to that PLZ or whatever it's called, soccer, um, Peter Martin's thing. He spoke about it. He goes, look, I know I've not been good enough. He goes, if I was watching me for the stands, I'd say I wasn't good enough. He goes, my confidence is rock bottom. He goes, you don't, you know, there's a lot that you don't see that goes off, off the pitch, you know, behind hmm. the scenes that's affecting me. Um, he goes, and, and, and he goes, I come here with a lot of weight of expectation. And he goes, and you know what? I was trying to, maybe I was trying too hard. Maybe I was trying too hard to impress. Maybe I was trying too hard because I know what it means to play for this club. And he was, he was sort of painting a picture of a guy that's, having a hard time and frantically trying to get out of it by trying too hard. But he sort of says, look, I've got a great manager here who's been and done it and he knows the position I'm in. And it was a really, really good interview. In fact, I'll retweet it for 20 Minute Tims. But it gave you an insight into maybe what some of these guys are going through and gave you an insight into what Shane Duffy's going through. And again, I think it's just like, you just get that. We've all been in these situations. We've done it doing podcasts you think god I can't podcast anymore and then you do the, and then you do <laughs> comparing ourselves to professional f- footballers here but then you do the one point and you think right okay I, th- that was that was a decent one and I think that's what's happening to some of these players they just need to first stop having shit performances and then secondly have an okay one and then have a good yeah. one and then take it for there do you know what I mean I don't think it's it's a case of just like he's going to be instantly amazing but as you said Melly you all, all that happened there was we didn't worry about Shane Duffy at the back and that's improvement. I don't have a problem with the, the comparison you've made there because, you know, he couldn't do what we do and we couldn't, no. well, maybe we could <laughs> do actually what he did. Anyway, <laughs> uh, we, we speculated on this ages ago. We said, many I think he was on one of Many people can't do what we do, Stephen. Many people yeah. can't do what we do. There many, many people try, but many yeah. people can't do what we do. <laughs> I think we said on one of our live preview shows that we do on Patreon before the before every game, we said that Shane Duffy had the look of a guy who was doing the defensive equivalent of like a new striker who hasn't scored in his first maybe six or seven games. Yeah, he's snatching at things, he's shooting too often, he's trying to take too many players on. That's what strikers do who feel like they need to prove something and, and their time is running out. Shane Duffy was doing that at the back. He was like trying, just trying far too hard. He was being overly, 
overly ambitious with some of these tackles and overly aggressive with, with some. You know, we don't need to talk about all the, the various maybe, examples of Shane Duffy ricks, but you know they're out there. Did you think maybe he just thought he was going to come up here and piss it? Do you think that's maybe what he thought? The way he's running about, trying to tackle everything, get his head. Did he thought, "Okay, oh, I'm going to go up here and absolutely breeze this"? Do you really uh, think there's an element of that? I would put it. I, 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 I could I, only I, speculate. Well, put it this way: if he came out and said that, I would believe him. If he came out and said, <laughs> right. I, I, "Honestly, guys, the reason I've been so shit is he goes because I thought this was a farmers league and I thought it would absolutely piss <laughs> it up here, and, and it turns out it's not as bad as people say it is." Yeah, that's you know, refreshing honesty. That would have been quite good, actually. But I don't know. It's impossible for us to tell. He can't. He looked like it, and I think a lot of people were jumping on that bandwagon at the time, which I think is unfair. I think it's possible that the guy just had some adaptation issues. He just struggled to get used to the pace of the league, which is fine. It is. It's maybe not about the the difference in quality, just about the difference in style and speed in physicality from England to Scotland we can't possibly sit here and say that it's a step up coming to the Scottish Premiership from England That that's just simply not the case now we can't stretch our imaginations that far what we can say is that it's different and Shane Duffy found that at the start he's still got he's still got a long way to go before he turns a corner as yeah. well but he has been he's been better We've made a lot of excuses for for Shane Duffy and we've given him a lot of you know caveats to, to his performances so far we've um well, we've spoken for too long about how Celtic need to find the ideal environment for Shane Duffy and now it's time for Shane Duffy to kind of, you know, hurry up and just get used to it, basically. Right? Yeah, we've totally. tried different formations. We've said that, you know, Shane Duffy, can he play in a three? Oh, we're doing this, we're, we're doing that and he can't get used to it. But, mate, it's it's about time you, you kind of get used to it and start playing. So we can only hope that this is him finally turning the corner. I suppose it's no surprise either that he looks more sawed when he's got Christopher Iyer at right back as well. So not... Uh, although he did get forward, he didn't fly on like Frimpong does and Celtic exposed in the two wing-back areas. So maybe that wee tweaks helped him out as well. And another wee parallel from Celtic kept a clean sheet here and the last clean sheet they kept in the league was against St. Johnson, as we previously mentioned. Greg Taylor started both games. I just saw you in the Discord, Melly, during the game. You're not What's the-, the Discord, Jamie? Oh, well, thank you. What a handsome question, Stephen. The Discord is like a, a private group chat that we have for our all-in patrons. We're on there talking during the game, arguing with various bits and bobs. And one of the contentious issues of the weekend was Melly. You're kind of going off the boil a wee bit in Laxalt, aren't you? Yeah, I'm, I think he's a decent player at the back. But the two the two goals, Leo's, well, one of the goals Leo scored, I thought the first goal he let his man get away too easy, sort of gave up on it. Then Leo's other big chance when the ball went through and it sort of hit Hazard's leg. He played the guy onside, then let him away. So I've not been ha- very happy with him going forward all season. I've already said, look, if you're going to be a left-back at Celtic, you need to be creating more. And he's not had any assists. He's had one goal, which was from a corner, second phase from a corner. So I'm not really going to give him that, even though he was there to score it. So I want to see more from him going forward. And Greg Taylor, while he's probably not a better player, I feel he offers us more going forward. And I didn't think I'd say that at the start of the season. I thought Laxalt would come in. We bemoan Greg Taylor, and I still think that he's still wrapping crosses off the first guy's shin and we're winning corners from it. It's only now we've got somebody to take the corners, but he needs to do a wee bit better, Taylor. But I think he. He never gives up. He's always there, willing, and he he gives us the width that maybe Laxalt hasn't given us recently. And if I'm if you're taking somebody out and just saying, look, who jinks the better player here and showing the last two games? I think they'd say Greg Taylor's offered more. 
That's controversial, Melly, but you're probably gonna you're probably gonna be proved right on that one because Laxalt, mm. we were big fans of Laxalt on here, Stephen, but you know I've got to, I've got to admit when Melly first said it, I recoiled a wee bit. I went, mm, is that correct? But when I went back and watched the highlights for doing the podcast, I thought to myself, maybe Greg Taylor's been a wee bit maligned here. Probably. And, you know, I've probably been as guilty as anyone about maybe not appreciating Greg Taylor. I, I think I st- still agree with Melly in the main here. He's not he's not amazing, Greg Taylor, but we know no. what we're going to get from him. On any other day, could have had a, a pretty decent assist in that game as well. Who Was it you and Murray said aren't a thing? He said uh, assists don't exist or something like that. Or is it something like that? I can't remember. So, another steaming hot take from uh, You don't get assists from golf, Mazza. do you? Yeah, absolutely true. Uh, but he cut one across for Klamala, who for some reason just didn't get on the end of it. It just flashed right across him. So yeah, like, on any out, other day... Oh, right, was it was a, a wee nick on it, right, fair enough. But in any other day, he could, he could have had a, a fairly neat, you know, goal contribution there. So, no, I've, I mean, he's he's a solid performer, Greg Taylor. I don't think I've ever seen him have a truly bad game, is the no. thing. But I, I don't think I've ever seen him have a truly great one either. I yeah. think Laxalt had an excellent game against Lille. Without delving into the numbers of it, on the surface of things, he had a cracking game against Leo the the first time around. Yes, what was he it? Did. He broke records for making tackles or making interceptions, kind of all of the above. I thought he had a cracking game. I don't know if Greg Taylor's got one of those in him, but I think he is. Greg, he's a fairly solid, steady well, Eddie competitor, really. Yeah, he's a steady Eddie, and I'm glad we've we've got him around because. I feel like Laxalt and Taylor, I kind of feel the same way I do about the goalkeeping situation just now. I don't really have that much of a strong preference. Yeah. I'm quite no, happy. No, I don't think Neil Lennon does either. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's very true. Uh, that's quite an odd scenario that's brewing with the goalkeepers. I've never really it's seen very, anything really quite is. like it. Yeah, to have three keepers competing for, for one, I've never really seen anything like it. But my main point is that whoever plays out of the three of those and the two left-backs, I'm not really that bothered. It's not a huge concern I have. I've got to say, I the keepers thing is weird. I said on the the live preview show, which is a video show, it's a TV show we do. Um, TV li- show. <laughs> well, yeah. uh, well, listen, it is Melly. There's lights, there's cameras, <laughs> there's definitely action. Uh, we we do it on you. We do. I'm saying like a da. We do the TV show on YouTube. Um, it's, <laughs> on the it's YouTube's. For, for, on the YouTubes for the all-in patrons. Listen, Melly, I'm trying to big this up, trying to sell our, <laughs> sell our wares here, and you're laughing at me. <laughs> yeah, I was surprised at the, at the goalkeeping thing. Reaching back to get our third-choice goalkeeper when, I mean, Scott Bain, I don't want to ever see a Celtic shirt again. Some of his Oof. performances were absolutely abysmal, but I still don't think Barkas has been absolutely awful. I still don't think Barkas has been dropped to the point where he, he maybe needs drop for our third-choice goalkeeper. Um, no. I tend to agree with that. I think putting Hazard in to make his debut on Thursday was fair enough, but I don't think any yeah. would MD would have been too disappointed if Barkas came in. Again with Barkas, I just sort of feel he's a wee bit unlucky. Hazard didn't have anything to do against Lille apart from picked the ball out of the net twice and one ball that was slid through that what they spoke about where he, he slid and he got lucky. The guy it took a touch off him and he got away from the guy. But apart from that, he didn't have much to do. And again on uh, Sunday didn't have much to do again. So what do you do now? Do you do you keep a hazard in for the foreseeable, even though he's maybe young and he's he's not really had a test yet? It, there is a lot of um, cabinet reshuffling going on as far as selection places seem to go. Stephen um, Patrick Clamalla started against Lille. He then came on for the still off the boil Odson Edward in the Kilmarnock game. Mm. There's been a lot of reshuffling of strikers. Who's first choice? Who's second choice? Klamala, is he second choice striker now? Uh, well, I suppose given those 
uh, set of rules, I suppose, I suppose he is. But the thing is, I don't know if it would necessarily carry from one game to the next. I think I wouldn't be surprised at all to see a Yeti come on right, as first yeah. choice, like substitute striker. So I don't think there is necessarily a second choice. I think Edward is most definitely first. After that, it's kind of you know, much of a muchness between everyone. I think they all have their individual you know, traits and strengths. So I suppose it's one of those horses for courses thing. I've yes. not really... I don't think there is necessarily a second choice, um, but one thing is for sure is that with five subs being made and none of them being Lee Griffiths against Kilmarnock, I don't, I don't know where he is. There's no point in talking about it just now, but he, he's miles off it. Aye, we're very nearly at a place where the, the full season will pass and Lee Griffiths has contributed nothing. Basically, mm, yeah. yeah, absolutely nothing, and it's not down to injury, and it's not down to these personal problems that haunted him before. It's down to lack of application and lack of effort, and it's it's inexcusable as far it as is. I'm concerned. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were bemoaning the squad. We didn't know who was going to start. We like, we're stuck with Scott Brown for this foreseeable. But as we've seen after two performances, we've got a right back who pushes Frimpong maybe further up and pushes El Hamid out the. Down further down the pecking order, we've got strikers and Klamala who gave maximum effort and sort of pushes a Yeti and Griffiths. So what happens to Lee Griffiths? But another guy I was going to ask you about, after the performances during the week, we've got Christian Rogic in the bench. What happens to Olivier Cham now? That's another guy who's just out of the picture now. I think, but this, the position has gotten so critical now, Stephen, that see if these guys aren't doing it. There's, there's, I know we've been saying for weeks, there's no room for sentiment and no room for this, but... If Olivier Cham is having his place taken off him by David Turnbull, for example, then he he, he can he has no complaints. He's got no complaints. And, and Cham was one, you know, we had the conversation about Cham at the beginning of the season. We need to have Cham playing, we need to have Cham playing. And Cham plays, doesn't he really do it? And then, no. then he's dropped and completely out of the picture. And there's so much at stake this season, you know, the prize is still there to be won. And guys like Cham and Griffiths. Like Funhouse. The, the, yeah. <laughs> a yeah re- whole, a reference whole, for the kids there. Whole lot of fun. Prizes to be won. We've still got the go-karts and somebody's going to get gunged at the end of the season, right? <laughs> but but that needs, we need everyone given 100% and I don't think we're getting it from, yeah. we're definitely not getting it for Griffiths and I don't think we're getting it off in Cham either. Even if Vincham was putting in 100%, I don't think it really matters because he isn't contributing anything. I don't know if we can necessarily measure his effort because there was a game recently where he came on and looked quite good. It looked as if he was trying to get the game won. It may have been one of the Sparta Prague disasters, I can't remember, but he's probably the, the complete opposite of Ayer. If the two of them are in the same boat as players who we think we are probably on the way out, Ayer's really stepped up in recent weeks and has started playing well in a couple of different positions. And Cham is nowhere to be seen. He's, he doesn't really warrant a place in the team. So I'm not really worried about where Incham goes now. I think I made peace with Incham leaving what seems like about two seasons ago now. Mm. It's been a, a kind of slow slow and steady decline ever since then. Yeah. So I think yeah, we've got bigger problems just now than how Incham's getting on. Well, let me turn the clocks back for you, Stephen. Let me turn the clock back, Melly, to January 2020. Celtic ease past Partick Thistle goals from Lee Griffiths, the aforementioned, and Callum McGregor to reach the fifth round of the 1920 Scottish Cup. February 2020 sees goals from Incham, as previously mentioned, Brown and Vacuum Bio. Remember him? <laughs> uh, yeah, dispatch Clyde as we head to the quarterfinals in March. In that round, a solitary. Ryan Christie strikes, sees off St. Johnson. And last month when the competition resumed, we put perennial cup jobbers Aberdeen to the sword at Hamden. <laughs> Next yeah. up is Hearts in the 1920 last season's Scottish Cup final. Now, this is an opportunity, right, 
for Celtic to win a quadruple treble. Four trebles in a row. Neil Lennon's first treble as manager, firmly putting his name alongside some of the greatest ever Celtic managers. These trebles are not gimmies. We've no stole nothing in the words of James McFadden. These trebles have all been won with Rangers in the league. Rangers have had a front row seat as Celtic marched to, marched to four trebles in a row. This is never going to be repeated. Never going to be repeated. One of the big criticisms from Ronnie Dyle and Neil Lennon, his manager, specifically Ronnie Dyle, was he never won a treble. So that that's kind of always yeah. tainted Ronnie Dyler's career as a Celtic manager. But things aren't going well for Neil Lennon. And I, I just want to ask you both, are we overlooking this, what could be an historic win in the Cup? Are we overlooking what should be an immensely positive moment for Celtic? Are we overlooking it because of all the discontent? Should we be paying more attention and respect to this game against Hearts? To be honest, I don't think so. I think the recent results have really put a dampener on this quadruple treble. Now, it'll get to Sunday and I'll be right up for the game. And if Celtic win it, I'll be loving it because you can always celebrate winning trophies. You should never, never take them for granted. But it's going to be one of those things, I feel, if Celtic win it, that they'll go, well, look at this. We've got a manager who's come in and won every competition since he came in. Aye, he has. But within all that, it's been crap. So, yes, we, we maybe won it, but it'd have been a lot better if we'd have done it last season. But with this season and coming in, it's sort of got in the way. Not in the way, but it's come at a bad time because we're going to be another game down on Rangers and we're just going to be further behind in the league and the European thing's been a disaster. Now, winning a trophy would be good, but I just it, it won't have the same feeling for me. Stephen, does it matter at all to you, this quadruple treble? I know you said on a recent podcast that there comes a point with trebles where there is like diminishing returns. Okay, you won one, great. You won two, wow, we won two, three. Jesus Christ, unbelievable. One, three. You say, then you get your fourth treble and you go, ah, well, I've had them before. Aye, I think I think from a Celtic point of view, it's absolutely great. I think from a Scottish football standpoint, it's bordering on the ridiculous, having a team winning Not four a trebles in Not a row. A chance. Um, I'm torn with this one because I'm only being honest. I, I could sit here and go, oh, it's a quadruple treble, a chance of history and all that. But there is a slight ambivalence towards it creeping in. And I think it's not because I don't value the trophy. It's because it's last season. Do you know what I mean? And I know that nothing could have been helped about that. I know that's only down to circumstances. But I feel like like this, last, this season has been terrible. And now we're hoping to win a, a trophy from last season. To, but this to is make what I'm talking about. Feel this is the point I'm yeah. making. See if Celtic were top of the league right now and we were f absolutely flying, people would be hyped about this quadruple treble. Yeah. But it's because oh, yeah, of what, because yeah. of the situation we're in just now that it's completely put a damper on dampener on it. It's completely yeah, put a so damper right. on it. And another yeah. thing that sort of worried people a wee bit was when Neil Lennon says he wants to remain loyal, merely to the players oh. that got us to the final. Now, I don't know why people are getting so exercised about that comment, to be perfectly honest with you, because one kind of agree with him I, I kind of agree with him you have just said you don't care about it it's last season's no I didn't say not that you don't care about it but he says it doesn't have the impact it's last yeah. season's tournament those players deserve a shot at it now I'm not going to say he's going to recall Bio from Lone and stick Griffiths in the team but the likes of the Browns the Ryan Christie's can you really have any complaints at them starting this cup final uh, I don't have a complaint with Ryan Christie coming in. I think he could come in for Frimpong and maybe do a better job on the right-hand side. But Scott Brown, no. He shouldn't come in for this game, quite simply. If Celtic, Neil Lennon, all he's spoken about, everything he's said recently has annoyed myself and uh, fellow Celtic fans. And now he's... I've got my hand up. I've got my yes, hand up. Yes, Stephen is going to burst here. <laughs> 
and he's come out and said about consistencies with line-up and all that and everything's going against him. Well, Neil Lennon's found a line-up that is working right now and see if he throws that in the bin to give a guy a game because he was because he was captain last season. It's a lot of nonsense. Quite simply, Scott Brown doesn't deserve to start this game because of his performances recently. It's not been good enough. Soros came in and been absolutely brilliant. Turnbull's been brilliant. Scott Brown... The, aye, great captain, legend, all that. Bring him on when we're winning the game. Get the game won because if Celtic go out and lose this game, it goes back to disaster. What we need to do is get on a consistent Hold run on. of winning Hold games. Hold on a minute. You can't say, I don't care about this game unless we lose it. You can't say, no, oh, I, I don't I didn't really say care. I don't care. I said I don't care as much and that's because we've been in such a bad run. Now to go and change the team against Hearts to give a guy a game and potentially ruin a run we just started on of two wins. Celtic need to rack up win after win here and winning a trophy would help in this season. So to change that to give Scott Brown a game because of loyalty is crazy for me. Stephen, changing the team to give Scott Brown a game out of loyalty. Oh, I feel like I already know what you're going to say, but carry on. <laughs> with, with Neil Lennon's comments after that game talking about the hardcore, may I remind you, he talked about the hardcore of the team coming mm. back in. With those comments, I feel like Celtic are almost uniquely adept at busting your enthusiasm with breakneck speed. <laughs> <laughs> Just as things are the, looking up. Aye, it's the, Remember the, the last the cup final gate. we were, we were in uh, in the shower gate? You know in. what's going to happen after Come this, in. don't you? Peter Lawwell's going to come out and go, offer them a contract extension in the shower. <laughs> Just to get it up as up. <laughs> Neil Lennon, new four-year deal. Christmas morning, Neil Lennon walks in, hands you a PS5. Oh, oh amazing. I don't open it. It's going back tomorrow. So I can't believe they're so good at just busting the balloon immediately. No, I, I was annoyed at the, the phrasing of that as well, because what is the hardcore of the team? Is, are those the real players? Because these guys that are, the, that are playing the now, they're not the real guys. The, the hardcore are coming back in. That's a mental way to put it. Uh, let being me put it to you this minute. way though let me put it this way though Stephen to, to bring it back to being serious as you were saying I mean we should have enough to dispatch championship leaders hearts you know Aye, do, do you really think Scott Brown the team is a, is a worry well as much as he was against well, Ross County and several of the other teams that have completely disappointed against this season I don't think Celtic can afford to go into any game being complacent and wheeling out the, the hardcore for the this game I don't think we can approach any game like that uh, I think it's this level of sentimentality that got us into this trouble in the first place. Yeah. You know, pigging people on you know what they deserve rather than on merit because and managers. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. But it's been speculated after he made that comment that oh, this is all just mind games. But I'm like, well, hold on, how does that work? Break those mind games down for me. So he's going to pretend to play failing players in the final and then at the last minute he doesn't play them but he plays better ones what does that say about the oh see you you were only bait I was. I thought I, I, I made Hearts think you were going to play but and you've been terrible all season I'm going to play this guy who's been much better than you what can I mean who's he playing the main I'm games against the fans look, the players I'm, look I'm not worried in the slightest I don't care if it's Scott Brown or David I don't, I, I don't think Scott I don't think playing Scott Brown is going to jeopardise our chance to win the Scottish Cup. It's an important game. I know you. I know what you're saying, Millie. Celtic need to keep racking up the wins, and I absolutely believe that. And I think bringing back some of that that taste, that trophy taste, getting it up there and lifting the trophy yeah. and all that. I think that's really one going more to do only for the hardcore. It's yeah, what it I says going I, forward as I, well. 
It's what it says going forward as well, that these guys are going to be... I mean, I keep saying these guys, but it's really only Scott Brown, isn't it? Because Yeah, he's, that's he's what this, is, this is why everyone's yeah. getting so stressed about it. It's Scott Brown. Everyone thinks David Turnbull's going to get dropped for Scott Brown, and that's the end of the world. And I don't think it's the end of the world at all. I really don't. I, I think people are getting it's, too bent out of shape about this. There's a bigger picture at play here, though. Yes, it's a cup final, and Celtic very well may win it with Scott Brown in the team. But what are we going to do going forward? Do we then drop Scott Brown again and bring back the guys who were in form? to try and ho- replicate Aye. the form even though they've been dropped do they then get dropped for the Rangers game and Scott Brown is wheeled back out again oh you, you're no, no, it's not dropped. it's, it's, no. dropped. it's, left, it's, out. it's, it's quite left out football's a squad game and, and David Turnbull's no going every game he's no David Turnbull's not got his place going right that's Scott Brown deleted out of Celtic history forever and if he ever plays again I'm going to throw the huff that's not how it works it's a squad game Scott Brown's going to come in it's a cup final a quadruple treble Scott Brown's lifted every other treble I don't think any player is going to have any problem Very with Scott Brown coming in <laughs> <laughs> he'll be there he'll be there telling the stories what did they look like Bertie? movie stars <laughs> but, but Melly I, I saw you wanting to come in there no, I don't think it'll be Turnbull that'll get dropped. I think it'll be Sorrow, and I just don't agree with it. This Sorrow's just Sorrow's been at the club since January, Melly, and he's only just started playing games in the last two weeks. Ah, you he's want, put in uh, two good performances, which is two more than Scott Brown's done. He's put in, for the okay, full well, no, no, he's put in two good performances since January. The minute he signed on the dotted line, he's had an opportunity to put those performances in, and he's put in two good <laughs> performances. For the again. Yeah, yeah. He's why, why, why hasn't he got games? Because Celtic have decided to play Scott Brown. And it's not worked out for us. So like, I understand that if you want to see him lift the trophy, fine, bring him on. That's I don't have fine, a, I don't have game a, one. Uh, yeah, I don't look. I don't. I'm not saying Scott Brown must play. I just think people are getting their pants in a twist here about the the possibility that Scott Brown might lead the team out at a Scottish Cup final and at Hamden Tell me against do a John Hearts. Terry. Aye, do that. <laughs> what a peer at the end of his kit on. No, I think you've been quite disrespectful to the Celtic captain, if, uh, to be perfectly honest with you. I have absolutely no problem. I will have a massive problem with it if Celtic lose and I have to see Andy Halliday and Stephen Naismith lift a, lift a trophy. That well, you can, nice. At that point, you can say, I told you so. You can come yeah, on well. next week and say, I told you so. Um, for, the, for the Scottish Cup final, we will, of course, have full patreon coverage of that we'll be doing the live preview show i dare say there will be cans involved it's the cup <laughs> final we're going to have to try and replicate the cup final atmosphere in some way so we'll yeah. be live 45 minutes before every match we are live giving you the big match build up you don't need to watch on sky yet yeah, you're on tv well you can watch it on your tv you know you can yeah. i've seen people yeah, have sent can. us pictures streaming it to their telly so you don't need to watch the build up for sky or whoever else is doing it you can watch the boys at 20 minute tims and speaking of handing out prizes and collecting trophies, uh, regular listeners will know that we offer you the chance to win a 20-minute Tim's solid gold 24-carat badge for leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Podcast Addict. We forgot to do it last week, far too much to talk about, but we're going to draw a winner this week. Stephen, who is the winner of this week's gold badge? Well, can I just say, Jamie, before we go any further, um, speaking of five stars, Really good links this week, by the way. Don't mm. think it's gone unnoticed. Very good links from yourself. But the winner this week is from The Rebel Treble. I'm not sure if this is a five-star podcast because it's genuinely entertaining, in-depth and informative with handsome hosts making reasonable comments. Oh, or yes. if I'm just comparing it to the Clyde Super Scoreboard podcast in comparison <laughs> to which it's basically Woodward and Bernstein. Either way, The Rebel Treble seal of approval is hereby <laughs> granted. I thought we so were getting complimented there, but in actual fact, we're just getting compared to the bloody the bloody super scoreboard. And on that, 
we will send you your gold badge. If you want to leave us a gold badge, or leave us a review and win a gold badge, just leave us a five-star review on Podcast Addict or Apple Podcasts. Um, if you want to support the podcast, check out patreon.com slash 20minutetims. And on that bombshell, we just have to let everyone know that if you head to our Twitter account, there are uh, 20 Minute Tim's mugs, a very short supply of 20 Minute Tim's mugs available. Yes. We get pe- we've been pestered for those mugs. Genuinely, people have been DMing us almost once a week, asking us when we're getting mugs back in. Well, there are mugs back in. You can go and support the podcast that way. Head over to the shop and buy yourself some 20 Minute Tim's goodies. Melly. Goodbye, lovely listener. Single. One listener, Stephen. Melly thinks we have one. <laughs> One listener, would you like to say goodbye to one listener? After all that Scott Brown chat, (laughs) (laughs) yes, I would. Uh, See you next week, folks. Uh, Well, big week coming on Patreon as well. By the way, we've got plenty of stuff coming. Uh, We've got two, the return of two of our very popular contributors coming this week. So stay tuned for that. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.